All right. So with that said, Andrew, kick us off. Can you give us your background? Just tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, you know, and also what, what you went. Well, I'll, I'll let you start there and we'll go from there. Sure, sure. Well, first and foremost, uh, you know, thank you for the opportunity to come on your forum and uh, talk to you about this very important issue um, and uh, share share uh, my thoughts as well as uh, some of the details and facts that I uh, was made aware of yesterday uh, before the announcement at the LA Auto Show, I was there in attendance before flying back uh, home east here to my home base in Allentown, Pennsylvania. But um, before I get into that, a little bit about me: uh, I'm a uh, I've been in the car business my whole life, uh, full time, about 25 years. Uh, uh, before that, uh, you know, I started in the business. I'm a second generation dealer. Uh, started washing cars, uh, working for my dad, that kind of thing. Uh, I'm sure it's a story that you hear quite often. Um, and, uh, kind of worked my way up, uh, from there and uh, the rest is history became, uh, became a dealer principal, um, a little over five years ago. Um, and I operate, uh, Acura, Honda, Hyundai, Mercedes Benz and Porsche franchises in, uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania, which is about, uh, an hour North of Philadelphia and an hour West of New York city. Um, you know, growing up, uh, being in this business, uh, you know, my, my dad started from scratch with his business partner um, and uh, was always uh, an ardent proponent of the franchise system, protecting the franchise system, and also uh, making sure that he was engaged in the dealer council process. He was always a very big believer in the importance of uh, the manufacturer having the type of working relationship with the franchisees that is most conducive to us achieving mutual success. There's always obviously going to be areas where we're going to have disagreement, but um, there's going to also be areas where we are going to have uh, an opportunity to collaborate at a high level and enjoy mutual success. And so uh, I've, I've just always been involved in dealer council related uh, 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 projects, initiatives, processes, whatever you want to call it. So I've been a member of Hyundai's National Dealer Advisory Council now for a little over two years. Uh, I was uh, recently... Andrew, what does that mean for, for the audience? What does that actually mean? Sure. So um, uh, all the manufacturers have a, have a little bit of a different approach to it, but uh, in, in, in theory, it's, it's, it's largely the same. So uh, every manufacturer has operating regions or territories throughout the country, uh, and there are... Uh, a, a number of representatives uh, appointed or elected for t- uh, to represent the dealers in each operating region throughout the country. So in the case of Hyundai, they have the Eastern region, they have the Mid-Atlantic region, they have the Southern region, uh, they have the, the South uh, East region, the uh, Middle States region, Western region, and so on and so forth. So the way our process works is we have a regional dealer council, which meets quarterly, and um, is comprised of representatives from each of the districts in each of the regions. And then um, the regional council will elect two representatives to represent dealers at the national council. Uh, and then we go from there. And then we have um, four meetings a year with HMA management, as well as uh, various touch point calls throughout the year, subcommittee calls. And you know the topics can range uh, on everything from sales to after sales, which is parts and service to finance to, um, customer experience, uh, certainly, uh, you know, dealer development, uh, technology, things along, along those lines. And, 
So, you know, basically any areas where there's opportunity for collaboration, that's, that's how the, that's how the, the committees and the working groups are structured, which ultimately inform the agenda that is uh, discussed at the, the national meetings, which in Hyundai's case happen quarterly. Some, some OEMs will do them every two months. Some OEMs will do them every month. But uh, again, it's just an opportunity for representatives from the OEM's leadership team to meet with representatives on behalf of the dealer body and talk about the issues that are of most importance uh, at that time for the brand, the industry, the market, so on and so forth. Does that make sense? Got it. So it does. Now, can, can you tell us why you flew to LA uh, over the last couple of days? Like, what were you doing there? Yeah. What was the agenda there? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, it's funny. I was uh, I was down in Florida in Palm Beach for Brian Pash's uh, Modern Retail Conference the first couple of days of this week. Uh, and I, my wife went down with me. We took a long weekend. And uh, right before I left last Friday, I got a call from um, my, my primary liaison at uh, Hyundai, who uh, is responsible for coordinating efforts with uh, the dealer council or with uh, the, the officers of the dealer council, of which you know, I, I was one as, as vice chairman, now incoming uh, chairman, uh, and said, uh, listen, um, you know, we'd like you to fly out for uh, the LA Auto Show for the debut of the 2024 Santa Fe and uh, attend the, 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 uh, the press dinner the night before. And then uh, also get an opportunity to meet with some of the executive management team on Thursday uh, before the festivities really kicked off in earnest. And and of course, you know when uh, when the leadership team uh, asks you to to, uh, to meet, uh, you know I try to drop everything because I, I I believe in the in the power of our and the importance of our relationship and of the process. So uh, myself and our outgoing chairman Kevin Riley. Uh, we hopped on a plane and and flew out and uh, met with uh, met with the the senior leadership uh, team on uh, on th- on uh, Wednesday. Um, had the dinner, uh, got up the next morning. Thought we were going to the press conference, and then uh, that's when this announcement about the Amazon partnership was uh, was presented to us shortly before it was made public. So that was how this this thing kind of played out, and oh, how I was wait. made aware. So. So you did not know about this until you were already there. No, not not the extent that uh, not the extent that was announced yesterday. I think it's important to wow. I think it's important to to note that uh, what most people don't realize is that Hyundai has had a relationship. They've had a a partnership, whatever you want to call it, with uh, Amazon. I think since 2018 or 2019. I forget how far back it goes, but. Uh, dealers have had their inventory listed on Amazon's marketplace for several years now, and it's sort of uh, operated similarly to how we do things on the you know automotive endemic sites, the sites where people would go to shop for a car like cars.com or AutoTrader or CarGurus, stuff like that. It, it wasn't identical, but it was very similar in how it was structured. Basically, the inventory is listed, and the consumer has an opportunity to uh, reach out to the dealer through the Amazon platform or through a link to the dealer's website and the VDP page, the actual listing page on the dealer's website, and start the process of attempting to buy the car if they were so inclined. So the functionality was very similar to what consumers experience on other you know, third-party automotive endemic sites, the sites like I mentioned, cars.com, auto trader, car gurus, things like that. 
So that's been around for a while. So uh, Hyundai being in partnership or in a in a relationship in a in a strategic alliance again, however you want to characterize it, with Amazon is not new. Uh, that is not new news. That has been around for several years. What was news was uh, you know the announcement that was made yesterday about their enhanced uh, collaboration, their enhanced relationship which really touched three fronts. Um, Obviously, first and foremost was the announcement that we're talking about today, which is uh, the ability for consumers to purchase cars through Amazon. And I want to elaborate on that more in a moment. Uh, But in addition to that, there was an announcement made about uh, Alexa being the uh, voice recognition technology that will be in uh, Hyundai uh, products in the future, which is obviously a very big deal. Um, and then uh, the other one was a, um, uh, uh, a transition, if you will, for Hyundai to utilizing Amazon um, web services for uh, a lot of their uh, cloud computing needs across the entire company. So uh, not necessarily a, a, a consumer facing or, or, or necessarily even directly dealer facing uh, piece of news, but uh, significant nonetheless. I mean, that's a that's a big deal for them to uh, be migrating their technology platforms to Amazon's cloud. So, uh, and I think that'll that'll ultimately be a good thing. So, uh, but as far as I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no I was going to say, like, can you can you give us a, a breakdown of each of those sort of one by one? Like, I think what a lot of people are trying to understand is like, what is actually different here? Is this just a big, you know, just PR hype cycle? I think that's the first question. Yeah. I think there's a lot, lots of follow-ups of, you know, why is Hyundai uh, working so closely with Amazon on this consumer front? Or is that, you know, is that like a derivative or it's sort of an added bonus for Amazon? It's like, hey, you know, you work with us on the B2B front, you know, we'll, you know, we'll work with you on the B2C front. Like, so just give that one, sure. if you could break it down for us yeah. and explain each of those different elements of this deal. Because I want to get to the, you know, ultimately I want to get to the point of like, what does this actually mean? Sure. Right? Does our, does, you know, our our friends or whoever in, in 18 months, are they buying a new Hyundai on Amazon? Is that real or is it not? So so, so the actual functionality of, of how it's going to, to work and play out is, is really going to be ultimately curated, if you will, through the pilot program that's going to transpire over the course of the next 30 days. So over the course of the next 30 days, a select group of dealers, I think the total number is 16 or 18 or something like that, uh, are going to have an opportunity to to participate in the pilot, whereby um, they will have the ability to sell cars to Amazon employees only. So this won't even be a full-fledged, full public-facing program until after the pilot period because they need to learn... um, uh, they, they need to learn the, the nuts and bolts and work out the kinks in the uh, partnership that Amazon has formed with a third-party company who, in essence, is going to serve as the intermediary that will connect the Amazon platform to the digital retailing tools, the certified digital retailing tools that Hyundai dealers across the country are required to use. There's, I think there's three or four of them now, uh, Roadster, Techion. Um, I think there's one other one, if I'm not mistaken, it might be, um, um, Gubagoo or Carnow or one of the, I think it might be Gubagoo. I, I can't remember what the other one is, forgive me. But, uh, basically, uh, Hyundai, like most, uh, uh, other OEMs 
they have these um, programs where they require dealerships to use certain technology vendors. And whether you know those in the dealer space in the dealer world uh, uh, agree with uh, the philosophy and the strategy behind those types of programs, we could probably do an entire show about that alone there, car dealership guy, but that's for another time. Um, the, the reality of it is, is that they, they do it to achieve the economies of scale in terms of how their systems integrate with the soft, software tools and technologies that dealers are using to execute processes at retail. So what Amazon has in essence done is, is they've partnered with a third-party intermediary that is going to serve as the, as the conduit between the dealer's digital retail system and the Amazon platform. So now, in theory, once this all will come to fruition, the customer that finds the vehicle, the, the, the in-stock vehicle that is on a dealer's lot, but they're finding it on the Amazon.com marketplace or on the Amazon.com platform, whereas before they would get redirected to the dealership website to start the transaction, they will be able to initiate the transaction on Amazon.com. And in essence, what's going to happen is um, the, 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 the transaction will happen on Amazon.com, but in the background, it will be happening inside the dealer's digital retail tool. Now, with that comes some added... I think that's a, I think that's a really important point. It, though. it is, it is. I think the point you're making is, yeah, and, we'll and, keep going. And, and, yeah, this is, why, this is why I wanted to, to make sure that I had an opportunity to talk to you about this because first and foremost, the dealers have the option to participate in this program or not. That's number one. Number two, the dealers set the price. Amazon's not setting the price. Hyundai is not setting the price. Number three, um, there are some um, things that in the initial stages are going to need to evolve and get worked out that could actually serve as challenges or hurdles to making this process seamless for the customer. And by that, I mean, number one, there is, as of, as of this date, and they are working on resolving this, but as of this date, there is no mechanism within this process on the Amazon.com platform for a customer to trade in a vehicle. So if you have a car that you want to trade and you have an aspiration to buy a car through from a Hyundai dealer through the Amazon platform, there's no mechanism for you to input your trade information, uh, receive a value, uh, facilitate the pulling of a payoff, all that type of stuff. So that's a big hurdle because as you well know, you know that's 50, sometimes 60, sometimes you know north of 70% of the transactions. So that's a big hurdle that they're going to need to work out. Did they did they allude to anything? Did they make any you know references or it's like did anyone ask them about how are you going to handle trade-ins? Uh, they didn't have an answer for us at this time. That's still sort of TBD. So that and who's yeah. who's running this process? Like, is there like a lead on this? Is it the CMO? So um, the uh, the Hyundai marketing team, in conjunction with uh, the folks at at, at Amazon have been uh, coordinating on uh, how, how this partnership is going to be taken to market. Uh, and then uh, some of the digital uh, retail uh, people inside Hyundai are working with the mm -hmm. intermediary that was selected and the digital retail tools to set this whole thing up and, and facilitate it. So, But there's a couple other things uh, that I think are important to note here as well. So I mentioned the trade. Go ahead. Initially, Financing will only be able to be arranged through Hyundai Finance. So, um, you know, that's, that's problematic because uh, if there are better opportunities for 
consumers to secure uh, more favorable financing terms through other lending institutions or whatnot, or their credit union or whatever, they're not going to be able to take advantage of that through this platform in the initial stages. So financing will be exclusive to uh, Hyundai Finance. So some may view that as a positive. Some may view that as, as not a positive. I view it as a limitation. And, you know, it's important to note. Uh, the next important uh, important piece is going to be uh, the F&I portion of the transaction. So finance and insurance. So how dealers right now uh, assist customers with arranging for financing and then arranging for the purchase of ancillary protection products like extended service contracts, warranties, uh, tire and wheel protection, things along those lines. Every dealer, whether it's at the state or the federal level, has uh, responsibilities for compliance, for 100% disclosure, things along those lines. It's very important. It's critical to our business. It's 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 an area where no one wants to get into hot water in on. So um, how that's ultimately going to be handled is also TBD because we, of course, want to be transparent and we want to be compliant. So I'm giving you these scenarios and these exceptions because uh, they, they are important nuances that are to be determined and yet to be worked out. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see yeah. how this how this plays out and obviously following closely and be doing everything I can to uh, help uh, facilitate a resolution to this that's beneficial to the consumer, the dealer, and all parties involved. Andrew, uh, Farzad is on here. He follows Tesla extremely closely and on just on, on X, on this platform, sharing lots of insights. He, he has to run in 10 minutes, so I want to give him the opportunity to ask you a couple questions and to share his insight. Sure. Farzad, the floor is yours. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, CDG, for hosting. Thank you so much, Andrew, for all the awesome information you're sharing here. This is super valuable stuff, and I'm learning a ton. Um, so I may have missed it because I did join a, uh, about 5 to 10 minutes after the space started. But so so the the Amazon integration here it just sounds like it's a sort of like a layer on top of the current uh, the model where the dealership essentially has stock and then somebody can go on Amazon and use that platform versus saying going to the dealer lot and purchasing a car it's basically just an additional layer so um can so are the, are the prices fixed can they be negotiated can you talk about that a little bit yeah, great. I'm glad you brought that up. That was uh, actually one of the other talking points that I was uh, going to try to get to. But um, so yeah, so the other the other thing that's important to note here is that, um, uh, and, and this is especially important for the the non automotive folks that are on the call today to understand that in the in the franchise dealer world, uh, most OEMs have policies that speak to uh, minimum advertised pricing. And basically what that means is, is they, they establish uh, rules and guidelines that dealers must follow for when they go out to the marketplace and engage in advertising, whether it's online, digital, uh, traditional, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there are certain rules and guidelines that stipulate that we can't advertise a price below a, a, a car below a certain price. Okay. The only way for a consumer to realize a price that might be below that would be to engage the, the dealer in a two-way dialogue. Once that happens, then you know, sort of the, the, the rules go out the window and dealers are free to sell the car for 
whatever price they would like to uh, sell the car for and, and, and handle the transaction accordingly. So um, the way that the Amazon uh, arrangement was presented to us was that uh, dealers that are elect to participate in the program and list their inventory online on amazon.com will be subject to MAP pricing guidelines. So it's important to note that um, uh, that while the, the, the pricing- well, What be, was that, Andrew? MA, what's MAP? It's a minimum advertised price. Minimum advertised price. So, so dealers will be subject to minimum advertised price guidelines. Um, and uh, so if they elect to participate in the, in the program, uh, that will apply. Uh, and uh, the, the consumer, in exchange for uh, the desire to transact uh, in accordance with how they'll be able to transact on Amazon.com, that's the price that they will be uh, ultimately transacting at. Again, it won't be set by Amazon. It won't be set by Hyundai. It's set by the individual dealer. So if the minimum advertised price on on a car is $20,000 and the list price is $25,000, one dealer might want to sell it on Amazon for $24,000. One might want to sell it for $23,000. Might, one might want to sell it for twenty-two, But no one can list it on there for less than twenty, And that's how that works. So um, that will definitely be part of how this go-to-market uh, initiative is executed. So that that's is. an important note. So, so the dealer sets the price that can't go below a floor. And once the uh, person goes online and sees the price and they click buy, that's the price, that's it. So there's literally no, no negotiation. It's just whatever the dealer sets and the cu- customer agrees to online, that's the price. Is that a, is that a good way of... Okay, cool. So that, that's helpful. And so if I'm a dealer, um, if I'm a dealer that I, let's say I'm in, I don't know, North Carolina and I'm a customer that's in New York, uh, would the, and, and that dealer in North Carolina decides to list, uh, the car on Amazon, would the person in New York, uh, would they see that listing? Uh, it's, it's conceivable that they could come across that listing, uh, depending on how this revised marketplace is um, is constructed and established w- by Amazon. Uh, the consumer might be able to search by proximity to their location. They might be able to search by price, regardless of proximity to their location. They might be able to search by specific uh, uh, vehicle uh, criteria. So I'm looking for a particular 2024 Hyundai Tucson SEL with package two in white with tan interior, you know, they, they could, they could get very specific and granular in terms of, uh, what vehicle they're searching for. That's all, that's all TBD. I'm going to be interested to see, uh, how that is set up. I have not seen any wireframes or any screenshots of what this new marketplace is going to look like. All we've been made, uh, sort of aware of is the process how it's going to flow, and the fact that dealers will still be in full control of transaction prices, of delivering the car, and of processing the actual transaction behind the scenes via their DRS tool that connects to the Amazon platform through this third-party intermediary. So I just want to reiterate those very important points for all of our dealer friends on this call that may have misinterpreted some of the headlines like those that were published on Automotive News yesterday, which stated Hyundai will sell vehicles on Amazon in 2024. Completely 
uh, misleading. It should say Hyundai dealers will sell vehicles on Amazon in 2024. Uh, and that's the important takeaway that I want everybody on the call to have here is that this is still very much uh, a, a dealer-centric process that will, uh, in essence, uh, be facilitated by the Amazon.com platform. Gotcha. And then one more question, if I may. Um, so, you know, when somebody buys on Amazon, everything shows up at the door. And, and again, I may have missed this. So, so if I buy, I'm in North Carolina, uh, North Carolina dealer, let's say they're 40 miles away, I place order and, and buy. Do I have to go pick up the car or does the car come to me? Dealers will have the option to offer uh, delivery services if they if they like, and of course, uh, just like you know, I, I do business uh, right now in uh, you know in, in Eastern Pennsylvania, uh, but you know we oh, deliver cars. I'm from Bethlehem. So, yeah, I'm in Allentown. I'm in oh, Lehigh Valley. So yeah, I'm Lehigh Valley. Lehigh Valley Hyundai. Yep, that's that's where I am here. So awesome. I lived there um, for uh, seventeen years. I'm in Austin now, but yeah, there you go, small world. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, we we have uh, we have delivery services that uh, we offer our customers, but there are certain thresholds or or mileage caps, radiuses, things like that that you know we we will offer to our clients at no charge. And if we have to go beyond that, then obviously we we talk about different delivery fees or things along those lines. Got it. But that's free for the dealer to say. Andrew, Andrew, I do have a question. Yeah. Did they share with you? I don't know like how confidential this is, but did they share anything about like the economics of this? Like, how is this better for consumers? Um, and I mean, Amazon has to make some money here. Did they share any anything here that you can tell us? Um, so you know, the the economics of it are are really uh, really this. Uh, the Am- it seems it, 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 it seems to me that Amazon has a desire to expand their platform to allow people to shop for cars, uh, and we were told that. Several other OEMs are going to be getting on board with Amazon here, uh, most likely in the second half of 2024. Okay, so this is not an exclusive arrangement that Hyundai is entering into. Hyundai is just going to be first to market with this with this relationship. And I really think that you know if there's if there's a key takeaway on that front here that people should have, it's that you know Hyundai is a progressive company. Uh, they want people to be able to shop for vehicles where they're most comfortable shopping for vehicles. And at the end of the day, though, they want their dealers servicing the customers. They want their dealers being the people that when, if there's a problem, if, if, if service is needed, uh, we are the local representation and it's incumbent upon us to service our mutual clients so that they have a great buying and ownership experience and want to come back and buy more Hyundais and send their friends and family in to buy more Hyundais. So I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to have a presence on one of the, on the world, on arguably the, the world's largest e-commerce platform. Just like I think it makes sense for Hyundai to have a presence on the other automotive endemic websites like cars.com and car gurus and all these other places. Um, you want to go where the shoppers are or where, or where people want to shop where they ultimately want to transact. But it's important to note and to reiterate that the transaction will ultimately be processed and dictated by the dealers, the dealer network, the franchise dealers. Mm -hmm. I think one of the thoughts that came to my head was, if Amazon has a desire to, you know, really tap into this market, you know, that I, I don't have any data or stats to back this up, but I can only imagine that, you know, the average, um, customer on Amazon is, you know, likely making, 
or not spending as much time as they would otherwise spend on like an, you know, an automotive listing site. And it makes me wonder, like, is, is the right strategy, right? Is the right strategy to kind of offer one OEM at a time, you know, Hyundai, this, that kind of go one at a time where you're true, you're not really bringing, um, the most options to the customer versus like going out and acquiring a listing site that has, and you know, I've, I've spoken about like, I'm an investor in cars commerce, there's yep. other listing sites, like there's car gurus and you know, there's, there's other listing sites as well, but like, does it make more sense to work with one of these listing sites? Um, you know, assuming that they have more of a captive audience that is already in the market, uh, you know, they're coming to that site because they're clearly in the market to buy a car versus Amazon. It feels like, you know, it's not the de facto destination for where I go to if I'm, if I'm going to buy a car. Mind you, I don't buy a car every, you know, three days. I buy a car once every five, six years. And so kind of what's the thought process behind that? Or, and I'll say one more thing, like, is it that Amazon has all these other kind of, you know, arrows in the quiver with, you know, AWS and all these other embedded advantages that they bring to the table and so it sort of puts Hyundai in this position where like let's just you know sign up for this because there's other advantages as part of a deal like how do you think about this yeah i think that i think that amazon's done a done a great job diversifying their their e-commerce platform they're in they're in so many different spaces and so many different verticals now and i mean whether you look at their forays into prescription drugs and you know other areas where i mean i, I mean i don't know about you but there's there's certain aspects of their business that I would have never thought. I mean, they started as an online book retailer and, you know, uh, uh, and then their, their third party marketplace business has evolved so much. I mean, there's a ton of car dealers. I'm sure many of them that are listening in today uh, that are selling parts and accessories on Amazon's platform. And basically the, some are even having Amazon fulfill those parts and accessories orders for them. So they're actually shipping parts to Amazon for customers to buy and then Amazon will fulfill the orders, take their fee, and pay the dealers the balance. Um, you know, I don't do that at my stores. We we sell parts on Amazon. We pay them their fee, but we fulfill all the orders. We control the stock, and and uh, we are ultimately responsible for the transaction. So, you know, the, the this this notion that they would have to go out and make an acquisition of a third party platform in order to begin to build a presence. Uh, in in this vertical, in the automotive, in the, the new car or the certified pre-owned uh, vehicle vertical, uh, I just don't think that that's their. Uh, I don't think they're predisposed to do that. I think they're predisposed to sort of pursue it on their own. I could be wrong about that. That's just my own opinion. But I think again, this is sort of the opening salvo in how they're in in the in the continued evolution of the uh, auto sales platform. And I think, you know, Hyundai sees the opportunity here to take a leadership position. I agree with that. Uh, I think that positions them well uh, to build their brand and to um, uh, convey to the public that, you know, Hyundai is a progressive company that wants to uh, help people buy cars and transact in, in any way that they possibly can. But at the end of the day, the transaction is ultimately going to be handled by the 850 plus Hyundai dealers across the United States who do a great job representing this brand, who are fully invested in their communities, in their team members. Uh, we have something like 80% of Hyundai uh, facilities are going through their, their remodel program right now. So this is not your father's Hyundai. This is a, a completely different company. It's technologically progressive. 
It's, it's, it's design aesthetic. If anybody saw the release of the all new Santa Fe yesterday, the truck is fantastic. It is, it's functional. It's, it checks all the boxes. It's just, I, uh, I've had Hyundai. My family's had Hyundai since 1990. We've, uh, we've seen the company go through peaks and valleys, ups and downs like any OEM. But I can tell you right now that this company is on the ascendancy. They are on the verge of being in the same conversation as the likes of Honda and Toyota uh, for all the right reasons. And uh, you just got to look at their actions, not their words. And they're, they're really uh, doing things right right now. So, and, they've, and they've remained yep. committed and steadfast in their commitment to their franchise dealer network. So that's encouraging. Andrew, let's take, let's take, we have a, we have a couple, like a 15 minutes left. Sure. Let's take a couple questions from the audience. Yeah. Um, one second. See, Eddie. If, if anyone has any questions, just send a request. I can bring you up, um, and you could ask your question. Eddie, can you hear us? Do you have a question? Yeah, I have a couple of questions if you don't mind. And thanks for doing this. Um, so I did post an, a question on here, and I'm not accusing of anybody of anything. But could this be the end of like enticing customers with an internet deal, but selling them on something else? Hmm. Um, I'm not, I, I, I don't really, I'm not say I, I, I can't say that I completely understand, uh, the context of your question. I think that, um, you know, again, I think it really just boils down to, it's another marketplace for, uh, to present your products. I mean, it's, if you think about it in, in physical terms, I mean, for, for years and years and years, when I first got in this business, we used to pay to have our cars on display at the local shopping mall during the holiday season so that people could see, you know, the latest product, they, you know, they might be presented with whatever year end sales offer there was, and they may or may not be compelled to drive over to the dealership, take a test drive, take a look at the products. And if they walk in intending to pursue the model that they saw on display at the shopping mall, and instead to their right is something that they like better and they end up pursuing that and purchasing that at the end of the day, they've raised their hand as a, as a shopper, as an intender. And, uh, you know, the fact that we had a product on display in a physical marketplace, in this example, the shopping mall, led them to ultimately uh, pursuing the purchase of one of our products. I think that that's, I think that's healthy. I think that that's a, a great way for people to uh, make sure that they are, they're considering all their options. And uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So again, it's just another marketplace to display products. Can I rephrase my question then? Sure. Um, so what I'm getting at is, if let's say I complete or I start the purchase of that car on Amazon, am I logged in with that car and I get it at that price with that car in inventory? Um, or will I go in there and they say, you know, that car's already been sold and then now we have this other car that's more uh, you know, expensive and such? Uh, I mean, we've heard about like kind of like the bait and switch tactic of some dealers, and I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but that's kind of where I was getting at. Um, yeah. Well, I think I think conceptually, I think in theory, no, that shouldn't happen. Um, could it happen? Uh, should it happen? Uh, you know, could it happen? Yeah, it, it it could happen, but should it happen? Absolutely not. There should be full transparency into availability and into pricing and things along those lines and. Even if a consumer does uh, decide to pursue the purchase and then fails to take delivery and decides that they want to back out of the uh, out of the transaction, they're certainly within their rights to do that. Uh, you know, there are state laws throughout the country that 
uh, speak to um, rights of rescission and things like that. So all that will be into play. It's it's really no different than the way it is now if you came in and bought the car in the physical dealership. Yep. Thank you, Eddie. Thanks for your questions. And I, we, I, we just brought up uh, Rajat. Rajat, do you have a question? Sorry, hey, thanks. Thanks for all the color here. I just had a question on like the the F and I process, and you mentioned that it'll be just Hyundai Financial um, in this case. And does does Hyundai give the dealer like a flat fee or a commission if it's sold through Hyundai? Like, does the dealer make any money on the financing like they do at the dealer? Um, and how do the warranty products attachments work here? Uh, thanks. Yeah. So, um, uh, just to, just to, uh, clarify and reiterate the, the initial stages of this rollout will be exclusive as, as it relates to F and I will be exclusive to Hyundai finance, uh, until such time as the system is built out to handle, um, the offerings from other banks and lending institutions and certainly, uh, aftermarket protection product companies. So, um, but in the context of just looking at it through, you know, HMF Hyundai Motor Finance exclusivity right now. Um, the, the, uh, Hyundai will have uh, the exclusive opportunity to offer finance and lease terms to customers, as well as protection products like service contracts, warranties, tire and wheel protection, things like that. Um, but uh, uh, from there, uh, how a dealer is compensated or not compensated, it's 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 our understanding. It's the typical. Uh, relationship. So there are um, uh, certain fees paid to dealers for arranging financing, things like that. There's obviously uh, a profit margin on uh, protection package uh, sales and things like that. So all of that will will continue. Understood. Very helpful. Thanks, thanks for doing this. Thank you, Rajah. Hey, Andrew, I do, I do have a quick question on this. Do you not think that this signals um, or this is like the first step of the OEMs potentially heading down like dealership disintermediation or, you know, cutting out a dealer. I mean, if you think of, let, let's fast forward for a second, five years, 10 years, and let's, you know, of course we know there's franchise laws, but let's, let's paint this picture for one second where if customers are transacting through amazon.com, they're financing through the an OEM's lender, captive lender. And, and by that point, they're selling themselves on the products, right? Like, does that not threaten the dealership network? What do you, how do you think about that? Well, I think there's two ways you could look at that. I mean, I, I think, a, I think an academic argument could be made for that, but I just think that, uh, uh, once academics go out the window and we start to look at practical realities, I think that there are more reasons than not for them to not go that route and continue to invest in the franchise system. So, um, you know, franchisees are ambassadors and representatives for these companies in our local markets. Um, we're, we're the, we're the face of the company. Um, we are the, the people that are in the trenches on the ground, uh, helping our customers when they have challenges, um, and giving them options to uh, transact, whether it, it relates to buying a car or servicing a car, doing all that type of stuff. So um, you, you have, there, there are numerous economic reasons for the preservation of the franchise system. Not, not just the, the philosophical reasons that I just stated, but do they want to assume that financial responsibility for the real estate 
certainly the inventory argument. Right now, when that car rolls off the assembly line and gets wholesaled to the dealership, the factory is in essence paid for that vehicle. So, you know, if they're having to uh, retain those vehicles until such time as they are retailed, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a CFO at an OEM right now that would be in favor of tying up that type of cash uh, while cars are, uh, you know, sitting waiting to be sold. So there are economic reasons why I think the uh, franchise system makes sense and will continue. Uh, there are philosophical reasons that I think I, I just stated, and there are, there are practical reasons. So um, I don't think there's, but, but with all that being said, I think there's opportunity. And again, this is why I believe uh, so strongly in the dealer council process. I do think that there are areas of common ground and opportunities for collaboration where we can, we can align our business processes so that we're delivering on, on the promise of a better customer experience while preserving the integrity of our business models and the things that make the franchise system the single best delivery mechanism that I think the world has ever seen for retail automotive. Now, maybe I'm a little bit biased, but uh, I think I also have some uh, pretty good factual uh, evidence to fall back on uh, just as much as anything else. So there's arguments for both, but I, mm -hmm. I think the franchise system is, 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 is here to stay. I want to wrap up in 10 minutes and just go through like winners and losers, like who wins here, who loses here, how much, uh, let's take three more questions and then we'll get to that. Sure. Uh, Nikhil, Nikhil, um, you're, you're up. Just go ahead. Uh, thank you. Uh, so thank you for the spaces. Very informative. So I have a question for Andrew. Uh, Andrew, could you uh, talk more about like uh, traditionally uh, a buyer would go to a, a dealer, a local dealer, uh, perhaps uh, learn through a friend or just like um, uh, seeing the dealer and just walk walks into the dealership or perhaps uh, goes online, uh, looks at the inventory and then goes to the dealer, takes a test drive uh, and then make a purchase decision, right? With this part, new partnership, uh, what are the key benefits from the user perspective or the real customer perspective uh, that this solves? Uh, could you talk a little more about that? And then uh, the second question is, there are multiple different parties in, in this transaction. There is the Amazon marketplace, there is a customer, and there is a, a seller, manufacturer. Uh, what, how does this help each of these different parties? Uh, what are the key benefits for, for them? Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to actually answer your second question first. I think it's important to note that the two that this is still a two-party transaction, the customer and the dealer. Um, the, the Amazon platform is really nothing more than a, a shopping marketplace that is facilitating the connection. Uh, they're facilitating, facilitating the connection by virtue of their existence and then by virtue of the mechanisms that they are employing to connect that customer with our with our platform here at our dealership, with our digital retailing tool, so you know there, it's really a two-party transaction. the the uh, uh, The manufacturer is is really not party to the actual sales transaction. They were party to the transaction of wholesaling the vehicle to the dealer, who and then will, in, in turn will will retail it to the customer. So again, it's a two-party transaction. Um, uh, your your other question 
really revolves around what is the evolution of the shopping process in retail automotive. So forever in a day, the only way to shop was to visit multiple dealerships, go out on a lot, kick tires, do test drives, talk to salespeople, do all that type of stuff. Well, obviously with the advent of the internet, all that changed. People can do a lot of the shopping process online now. They can search inventory, they can read reviews, they can uh, look up uh, product specifications, all that type of stuff. But um, when COVID hit, there was a big push into digital retail. You know, we've got all, you know, the, 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 the traditional car dealers got to be more like Carvana and they've got to do the transaction 100% online or even Tesla, you know, we got to do it 100% online. Well, I think as COVID obviously began to go by the wayside, uh, this whole notion of an omni-channel retail experience began to become a lot more pervasive. And I think it is uh, the future for how people will shop for vehicles. And what, for those of you that are on that, that don't understand what the omni-channel retail concept is, basically it means, in short, if a customer wants to transact 100% online, 100% in store, or a combination of the two, we're gonna have the tools, the technologies, and the processes that enable exactly that to happen. Any one of those three things. So if you start the shopping process on one of my websites, and you decide you want to finish up in the store, we can make that happen. If you want to do it 100% online and have the vehicle delivered to you, we can do that. If you just want to you know, quickly search my inventory to see if I have a car in stock that you want to buy, you never reach out to one of my sales consultants or, or one of my, uh, my call center team members, and you just decide to show up at the dealership and say, I want to buy this car, we can make that happen 100% in person. So I think that this is just an extension. This Amazon partnership is just an extension of what is the future of automotive retail in that we want to go where the customers want to transact and we want to deliver the type of experience that they want on their terms from the standpoint of, again, 100% online, 100% in store, or a combination of the two. Uh, sounds good. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, just a quick follow-up. Uh, does this uh, Is this limited to new cars uh, or certified pre-owned cars, or it could be open to uh, like used cars as well? The Amazon partnership initially is uh, new car exclusive. I believe there are plans to introduce uh, Hyundai certified pre-owned vehicles to the marketplace in the second half of 2024, but that's uh, still TBD based on how the pilot goes and you know how the process of working out the kinks goes and things like that. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Two more questions and we'll get into winners and losers. Uh, let's bring up Benj. Hi there. Hi, Benj. Hi, thanks. Um, Andrew, I am a current shopper for a new 2024 Elantra and I actually have deposits down at three separate dealerships. Um, and I have done extensive searches to make sure that I'm at the ones that present the biggest issue for me, which is markups. How is this product going to disincentivize markups on new cars, which I think is the current biggest issue for new car buyers? So I don't know as though the platform itself will disincentivize uh, markups if a dealer is just inclined to mark up the car. Um, I, if, it, if it's going to serve the purpose of disincentivizing, it's because the platform is going to be uh, a repository for all this inventory to reside so that people can shop and compare. Um, and, you know, I think, I think again, it's, it's just a, it's another mechanism to promote transparency 
and uh, to promote um, the, the ability for a customer to compare pricing, uh, compare options, all that type of stuff, just like one could do right now on a, on a platform like cars.com or, or uh, auto trader or, or one of those, uh, one of those online marketplaces that are endemic to the automotive space. So, uh, I, I don't, I don't, Andrew, let me just add something there. Yeah. You're basically saying, you're basically saying by simple virtue of having dealers compete on this global marketplace, you know, the free market will work itself out and the prices will, you know, just align with supply and demand. Uh, in theory, yes, I, and and in, and in practice, yes, because uh, and this is not revolutionary. This already exists in so many other places around the internet. It's just so it's just so happens that now it's going to exist on arguably the largest e-commerce platform in the world. So um, again, this is this is not a new concept. It's not revolutionary. I just think it's uh, it's more evolutionary to uh, the process of uh, shopping for and purchasing a vehicle as we get you know into twenty twenty four and beyond. Well, I, I appreciate your answer. Thank you very much. Thank you, Benj. All right, one final question, and then Andrew, let's wrap up with winners and losers. Sounds uh, good, Greg Troy. Hey, thank you, uh, Andrew. Uh, thanks for clarifying that this isn't uh, exclusive to Hyundai. Two questions: Who do you think is the next one to fall in line behind the Amazon Web Service AI capability and uh, to the degree that this is evidence of, uh, of a fear of missing out on the space race into AI inside of cars, who do you think wins that between Amazon, uh, Google, Alphabet, and Apple, Siri, or Tesla? Wow. Uh, two, two, uh, two great questions. The first one, who's next? Goodness gracious, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, it's tough to say. It, I, I, I really would be just taking a, a stab in the dark. I, I don't know. I, I really don't. So I'm unfortunately going to have to take a pass on that because I, I wouldn't want to get in trouble for uh, speculating and, and being completely off base or whatever. But not that I would get in trouble, but I just think I want to stay away from that one. Um, and as far as uh, your second question about uh, you know in-car uh, uh, voice recognition, AI, uh, infotainment compatibility. It's sort of an all encompassing term. Um, you know, I think right now Google and Apple are in a fortuitous position to, uh, to ascend to a position of dominance. Having said that, this Amazon announcement does change things. Um, so it's really going to be, I think, a, a race to see who can, um, uh, who can partner with the most OEMs and collaborate and integrate at a level that drives value for both the OEM car company, the technology company, and ultimately the customer. And I think uh, we're we're still in a bit of a of an arms race there to see how that all shakes out. Um, you know, I you know personally, I think Apple's doing some some really great things. But I'm uh, I'm really interested to see where Amazon and, and Hyundai go on this partnership because uh, Hyundai of the brands that I represent they do uh, they do an outstanding job with in-car infotainment. I mean, if you look at the the JD Power reports and so many of the other reports that speak to Hyundai's leadership position in in-car uh, technology infotainment things like that, it's just uh, th they tend to make good decisions when it comes to this stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens.
Hey, thank you. And I, I didn't mean to leave out Microsoft. Do you, do you, just to follow up, do you think that there's a chip on board similar to what Tesla manufactures for its vehicles that Amazon will be manufacturing? Uh, great question. I don't know the answer to that, sir. I'm sorry. Thank, thank you, you Greg. Thank you, Greg. All right. So I do want to take one more question. But before that, um, just a quick note for anyone listening. This is recorded. And it's going to be the full podcast. Uh, this full live podcast will be uploaded to the CDG, CDG podcast. So if you don't follow, if you don't listen, check it out on any platform. Please subscribe um, so you can get, you never miss an episode, but we will upload this over the next uh, day or two. And so if you do want to refer back to anything, listen again, uh, it's going to be available. Um, I do want to take one more question actually from Gordon, uh, Gordon Johnson, who just came up here. So Gordon, go ahead, please ask your question. Hey, thanks for bringing me up. Um, this is a question for you, car dealership guy, um, and anyone else who may have insights here. Um, I have a, a close relative who works at a large car dealership in California, and admittedly, it's one dealership, but his commentary to me over the past several months has been that um, it's been much harder to sell not just the Tesla cars, but the EV cars overall. Um, and, and just taking a step back... Um, you know, all the data that we've gleaned thus far, just, just from Tesla, because that's the company, company we cover, but it's suggesting that thus far in November um, and even in October, the demand has been far less than expected. So maybe you already discussed this. If you did, I apologize. I just got on the call, but just wanted your insights into those two dynamics, if you're seeing that and or not. Thank you. We're, so we're actually, what we're discussing here is we're, we're sticking to the Amazon and Hyundai announcement about selling cars online. And so that's been the topic of conversation. Um, you know, with, with respect to EVs, um, I did just put out a tweet about this the other day about legacy EVs. You know, day supply is rising. Uh, demand has really significantly cooled. I think Tesla, Tesla is sort of an exception here, but Tesla also has some levers that, you know, legacy manufacturers don't, right? They, they have more, they have stronger margins and the ability to reduce their pricing to stimulate demand. Um, needless to say, it, it is also the, you know, the preferred EV product in the market, you know, over 50% market share. There's no doubt about that. Happy to, happy to, Gordon, I'm happy to discuss this further. I don't think this is the right forum right now. I do want to wrap up with Andrew and uh, st stay on topic here, but it is, it is a concerning trend right now. And, um, you know, we have been discussing a lot of it. So thanks for that. All right, Andrew, let's wrap up uh, winners and losers, right? So let's, let's go out, you know, three to five years. Um, you know, this plays out. Who actually wins here? Who loses here? Go. So, uh, another, you know, another great question. I think, uh, you know, the clear winners are obviously uh, the, con the consumers who have yet another marketplace that they can go and shop and uh, collect information and uh, have everything they need at their fingertips to make an informed decision. And I think that that's... Uh, I, I just think that that makes them a clear winner. Um, you know, I, I think an argument could be made that that uh, obviously Hyundai is a winner here in uh, assuming a leadership position in terms of this relationship with um, with Amazon, because again, I think it just it's it's indicative of uh, you know their their progressive outlook, their you know their their desire to be a leader when it comes to technology, both uh, you know mechanical technology that propels vehicles. Uh, to digital technology that uh, will dictate how we uh, communicate, how we interact, uh, how we process information, and uh, you know how we go about the process of of, buy of buying a vehicle, of maintaining a vehicle, 
uh, and all that type of stuff. So I see, I see Hyundai as a, as a clear winner here as well. You know, losers, I, 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 you know, I, I'm sure there's some people out there that think that dealers are losing here. I don't see evidence of that. Uh, not in how this has been presented to me, uh, over the course of the last 24 hours. And as more details have come out, um, I, I think again, I mean, uh, Hyundai, uh, Jose Munoz, uh, Randy Parker, the leadership team there, they've been, um, adamant about their commitment to the franchise system and to their franchise dealer partners. Uh, they've not only said it, but they've acted on it. And so, um, you know, I take them at their word, but also based on their actions. And I think that that, that bodes well, uh, for, for dealers and, and consumers as well. So it's tough to pick a loser here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not letting you, I'm not letting you, I, I was going to say, listen, if, I, want, I want a loser. I got, <laughs> I, I think if there, if there, if there could be one loser here, it could be one of the other, um, marketplace platforms that is maybe exclusive to automotive. If, if they, you know, they could, they could see a, uh, dramatic decline in shopper activity on their website. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of players in the space in that space right now in particular that were, uh, that are struggling now that were pretty substantial players back in the day. And, you know, now they're struggling. So, uh, some, but then yet some are thriving. So I think if there is a loser, it's probably going to be other online marketplaces, particularly those that are automotive exclusive. Andrew Wright. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been awesome. Um, love the, the impromptu nature. Thanks for coming on. And like I said, um, you know, we'll get this, we'll get this uh, uploaded to the CDG podcast if anyone wants to re-listen uh, or share with anyone else. And Andrew, we got to get you on the CDG podcast. I'm sure people would want to listen to that. I'd love to. There's so much I love about this business, and uh, you know, I have uh, every every desire, and uh, I, I always take every opportunity to share what I can because it's. Uh, it's the greatest business in the world, and I'm I'm thankful to be a part of it. <laughs> All right, well, I'm in Mexico. I took a little break to do this. Time for me to go eat some uh, some breakfast tacos. So I'm going to let you go. Enjoy. <laughs> thanks Thank for you. Everyone. Thanks for thanks for everyone for tuning in. And uh, this was awesome. All right, talk to you soon. Bye.